0: BFT Media.
1: This is the major scale. Jazz. Past, present, future, and everything in between. Our idea of a magazine that meets a mixtape. With lots of interviews, lots of music, with lots of classics. The underrated, the unexpected, the unhindered, and the soon to be heard. African American art in the 20th century. Roots. Harlem Renaissance, and Bebop. This is a special presentation of the major scale with Cornell Fine Arts Museum's exhibit, African American Art in the 20th Century. On loan from the Smithsonian, tying together the exhibit's beautiful works of art by the likes of Jacob Lawrence, Purvis Young, Romare Bearden, and a host of others with the themes of jazz and rights. We'll take a look at the music of the era with the show's curator, Virginia Mecklenburg. But first, this is Dr. Jazz by Jelly Roll Morton. Jelly Roll Morton with Dr. Jazz. The Major Scale is going to explore the musical themes of 20th century African-American art, which is in conjunction with an exhibit of the same name at Cornell Fine Arts Museum at Rollins College by way of the Smithsonian American Art Museum, along with its chief curator, Virginia Mecklenburg, who is our guest today to discuss this. Welcome to the Major Scale.
2: Mm, Thanks for the invitation, Kyle.
1: Well, thank you for being here. This exhibit. So where does it start and where does it take us?
2: The show has paintings and sculpture that date from the 1930s into the 1990s. Officially, they start really during the years of the Great Depression in the 30s, but it's also the years of the Harlem Renaissance. But even though the official beginning of the artworks is there, a lot of them reach back in time in terms of what they do, what their sources are, and what they want to tell us. And then they go as far forward as the 90s, so through the civil rights era and into that period in the 90s of anti-colonialism in Africa.
1: So visually and thematically, this exhibit really strikes a chord with our history. The past really comes alive and it resonates back to the present day. What are your thoughts about
2: that? For me it's fascinating to see how current many of the ideas are that the artists were expressing in the 1930s, how current they are today some of them terrifyingly so, in things like Black Lives Matter. There are underlying themes that have to do with the individual in society, with the idea of affirmation, with who we are and where we've come from. And those are coming through in the works, um, really in an historical voice, whether or not they were painted in 1950 or painted in 1990 or 1930. The past resonates with us.
1: I like how you said terrifyingly so. Because one of the themes in this exhibit that still happens today, and my heart really goes out to this one, is the painting about the janitor as the artist. And that's the one that really pulls my heartstrings because I've experienced and I've known so many people who've come from harder backgrounds, and they have such a hump to get over and to kind of make their talents into a vocation right the other way around. I'd like you if you could expound on that painting and what that means today.
2: It speaks to the idea of invisibility and who we see in our daily lives and who we acknowledge and who we just don't even know is there. That painting by Palmer Hayden called The Janitor Who Paints, Hayden had this wonderful saying about the man that he was painting was a friend of his. The artist had also worked as a janitor, but when his friend wanted to show his work, talk about his work, he was always described as the janitor who paints as opposed to the painter who supports himself doing custodial work. It's a reversal of the priorities in the man's life.
1: Just hearing you describe that painting and the story behind it, still pulls those heartstrings and puts that lump in my throat. And I think about all the, you know, all the people who've paid their dues in the world. Now, one thing about this exhibit that I think puts it right front and center in modern times is, like, with the advent of YouTube, it's really easy to reference the people and places and the times that are depicted in these works. Many look like they could be the set pieces you would find in vintage performances, from, like, Duke Ellington, Bessie Smith, Lead Belly, Lonnie Johnson, with images like James Van Der Zee's photography, the Cotton Club, Juke Joints, you know, life both economic and social. Now, what can you tell us about that, and how can you wrap that into it?
2: Well, it's true, and there's a sort of synergy between the music and being able to see the performances of some of our greats, our true greats, that now we can see on YouTube when we can understand better what the visual artists were looking at thinking about, how they were absorbing the things that came to mean a huge amount to them. It's one thing to listen to the Empress of the Blues, to Bessie Smith. It's another thing to see Romare Bearden's painting of Bessie, it's actually a collage, of Bessie Smith at the same time that you're listening to her music and seeing the way she moved. There's such synergy, there's such a symbiosis in having both things, and until recently we've not been able to do that.
1: That's so true. And I have to comment, one of the things I saw at the exhibit were people pulling out their phones, which normally is socially taboo. But I have to say, it is something I wish I had when I was a kid, because you can look at these paintings, which are decades and decades old, and you can reference, okay, who, is, who am I looking at? What am I talking about? And you can see it right there on your phone, research it, examples, and then all of a sudden, now you're in front and center in the present day.
2: Yeah, they come to life and you have the opportunity to look at them again and again and so that you're not just getting a first impression, you know, for the music, just sort of the way it goes, the melody, the syncopation, the whatever. But you have time to think about it and begin to develop questions in your brain and go back and look at it again. And then using Bearden as an example, knowing that he was there, he he knew these people, he was talking with them, he was watching their jam sessions, you begin to understand something about the way he made his art. He did the series in 1979 that he called the Jazz Series. One of them is called Bopping at Birdland. That's a place. Another one is an image of the brass section that's jamming at Minton's, which was just downstairs from where he lived. One of the things you see in these is that the figures are not realistic. You can't, unless you really know the way somebody held a trombone who was in the brass section at Minton's, but you feel the atmosphere. He somehow made the sense of sound, and not just sound, but brass come alive for you, and you feel like you're sitting in this place with a smoky atmosphere, kind of late at night, with a place just full of sound, of senses, of experience that you can't get by looking at the picture or listening to the music separately.
1: Vivid description indeed. And I like how you mentioned Mitten's Playhouse, which we will get to in a bit. But let's reference something you mentioned earlier, Bessie Smith. And it's a good time to break for some music, along with other tunes from this period that we've been talking about with Chief Curator of the Smithsonian Art Museum in Virginia Mecklenburg and the exhibit African American Art in the 20th Century. We'll start this off with Bessie Smith. Put it right here.
0: people Oh, you know, good mean The groundhog even brings it and puts it in his hole. So my man has got to bring it, doggone his soul. He's got to get it, bring it and put it right here, unless else he's gonna keep it out.
3: Thank you ladies and gentlemen, you give me a great pleasure, I feel so good to pronounce a very nice, a very nice musician. One of the best blues was back in the early 20s, a boy that I know that strictly can put rhythm with blues and put blues with rhythm, you know, got such a wonderful solo with the blues. With his soul. When I mean soul, I mean soul. I'm gonna bring him to the bandstand by pronouncing his name under this name the one and only Lonnie Johnson. Face when I say I love you and walk away with somebody else. You can't keep on hurting me unless you get hurt yourself. You can't keep on hurting me unless you get hurt yourself. Cause you miss and ways, baby It's drove me to somebody else. is my last night to cry I'm really you
1: That was Lonnie Johnson with a later recording of Another Night to Cry and as Sonny Boy Williamson described in his introduction of him, He'd been playing the blues since the 1920s. Before that, we heard the legendary Duke Ellington with Harlem Airshaft, and starting it off with Bessie Smith, put it right here. Let's continue with some of this music from the early period of jazz, the 1920s and 30s, the roots to the Harlem Renaissance. And at this point, the music still wears its inspirations on its sleeves, like spiritual, hymnals, gospel, and classical. Case in point with our next tune by Fats Waller, the Jitterbug Waltz. Let's see if you can hear the... Debussy in it, and we'll finish the set with the legendary Nicholas Brothers from the film Stairway to the Stars with their rousing tap dance-infused take on Lucky Number.
3: Lucky numbers? Yes. Uh-huh. You can't sell lucky numbers over the radio. Uh-huh. No. What else do you do?
0: Oh, we sing and we
3: dance. All right. Let me hear you sing. Oh, okay. yeah. Lucky number.
0: Oh, I'm dreaming of lucky numbers. Oh. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers gonna show for you and me. Superstitious, Or oh, even makes me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, Here will make main, me, make you bleed.
3: Heaven's peace. Hey, that's my Yeah, yeah, man, we'll open okay. it.
0: Put my trust in go for Cause you know someday it may bring you a seven. Or oh, maybe a lucky eleven.
3: Whoa. Your number for me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is a special presentation of the Major Scale covering the Smithsonian's African American art of the 20th century with their curator, Virginia Mecklenburg. (laughs) i <laughs> Old Gray and Dexter Gordon with the chase. And this starts the next subject on our list, talking about the musical themes of the Smithsonian's exhibit, African-American art in the 20th century and bebop, the great innovation and social movement. And we're going to title this upstairs at Romare's downstairs at Minton's." Now, in this exhibit, some of the works are by the great Romare Beard. And if any artist had the musicality in their work, it's him. I mean, viewing it, you can hear it immediately, along with the movement and the ambience of the scenes he just picks. The reason I'm singling him out is that he lived upstairs in Mitten's Playhouse, which you talked about in vivid detail earlier. The legendary club that played a major part in the development of jazz, bebop being the big one, which in the big picture plays a huge part in this narrative of this exhibit. Romare Bearden, you know, he had an interesting belief that art comes from art, which is totally believable given the situation. I mean, can you imagine the musings that he must have heard and happened living there? I mean, can you imagine living downstairs or upstairs from Mozart as he composed a magic flute?
2: You know? I can't. I can't. I wish I could. The more I have looked at Bearden's art and thought about just this sort of ambience, I mean, when he is up in his living room or when he's asleep in bed, does he feel the pulse of the music coming through? Yeah, Probably. But when I look at his, some are painted, but they're often collages. And if you consciously think about the way your eye moves across the surface, there may be just a touch of red in the upper right hand corner, over in the center left. And suddenly you realize that Bearden has syncopated his color notes in a way that almost gives a rhythmic beat to the way you look at his images. And it doesn't happen always, but it happens enough so that you understand that he has so internalized music into his self that it comes out in his the sort of strokes that he uses to make an image. So he is a jazz artist in the true sense of the word. He does improvise. He deals with syncopation. He deals with something that is instantaneous and of the moment because it feels right.
1: You know, I have to wonder if Matisse borrowed heavily from Romero Bearden. You know, I know Matisse had his cutouts, his collage, and even had a jazz project. But I'm going to have to root for my own team on this one. I think Romare Bearden had him beat, which leads to a good segue. Let's hear some music that you would hear at a typical night at Minton's and of this bebop period. We're going to start this set off with the great Roy Elridge. This is Wabash Stomp. Mm You just heard a nice tidy playlist of titans of bebop, the kind of people you would hear at Minton's Playhouse. We hear Bud Powell, Parisian Thoroughfare, the great Charlie Parker with Yardbird Suite, Milt Jackson, Thelonious Monk with Mysterioso, and starting it off with Roy Eldridge, Wobash Stomp. And let's continue with that music and the theme of Minton's Playhouse recorded at Minton's. This is Charlie Christian with Swing the Bop, and we'll finish off with a guy you can't talk about bebop without mentioning. We'll hear Dizzy Gillespie and his classic, Salt Peanuts. So peanuts, up, so being up, so being up,
4: so stop
1: This has been the Major Scale Jazz, past, present, future, and everything in between. Produced and created by Kyle Eagle and Chris Barani. Jazz Phantom is our theme song by Chomsk. Special thanks to the Smithsonian and their chief curator, Virginia Mecklenburg, as well as the staff at the Cornell Fine Arts Museum. Gisella Carbonell, Hein Berger, Ina Heller, PFT Media, and a special thanks to Jack Starling.